Hello and welcome to our podcast, Night and Moon. I am Tanner Knight. Joined with me, as always, is my lovely and talented wife, Gabby Luna Knight. Hi. Yay! Or whatever the <laughs> sound effect is. <laughs> That's not even close anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't that know. was like a... I'm making like a, a new one. <laughs> um, 80s hairband. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll go for. I think I prefer that. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> because that's what I can deliver. <laughs> Excellent. Let's get right straight to business. <laughs> it's business time, folks. Time yeah. for business. You know, someone once asked me, do you run out of things to talk about? I'm just kidding. No one asked me that. But um, good question. I do save stories, and I have a story I saved for you. I it's hard for me to save stories. <laughs> yes, and I it's understand. not. It's more like a realization. But is this one that you were saying you're going to share on this episode? Yes, I'm going to share one right now. Well, go ahead and share. I have to tell you about it. Remember, how long have we been living in this house? Since June of 2020. So that's what three years? Yeah, three years. Yeah. Wow. Three years. So we've been here three years. Um, about a month ago, I realized that it's not that our shower knobs are faulty. Is that I've always been using the wrong one. Because I think that C means caliente and it means cold. <laughs> so every time I fuck it up, I'm fucking it up because I think I'm doing the wrong one. I just like that's a realization I just had last month. All right. So, yeah, it does. It really changes the temperature quickly in favor of the cold when you mess with that one. Even if you turn it down, mm -hmm. it, it'll sometimes make it colder. And I don't get that. I I honestly think that when it's me, I'm turning it down because I'm thinking I'm making it hotter or I'm turning it up because I think I'm making it hot. Like but I do that all the time. More cold into the mix. Yes. And it comes out cold. Yeah. Straight from the Because tap. it's not caliente. <laughs> no, it's, it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> That's really confusing. What do you think the H was for? Well, there's no H on the other one. Oh. So it kind of, you know, I'm totally for you. I see. There's see. nothing on the other one. Maybe we just need new. <laughs> I think we're exposing how old <laughs> our... <laughs> Maybe our fixtures are from the 90s. Yeah. That's not a thing to judge. Mm -mm. I mean... They hey, work. our house has like um character. Yes. And right now it's going through it. <laughs> yeah. At least our water is secure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say finished because our basement is in complete disarray and uh it, it's kind of one of those nerve-wracking situations that you just hurry up and wait. We just kind of now got the the green light to go ahead and start laying down new flooring and putting up new drywall but yeah our little flood has taken its toll yes it has <laughs> however we're lucky that it's in a spot that we don't use that often yeah as far as house damages i don't think it could have been positioned any better yeah like we lost some crappy carpet some <laughs> crappy drywall yeah we're, we're okay we're fine well i mean it's annoying to have to redo all of that yeah but it could have been in the winter <laughs> also true maybe not yeah, it, pros, yeah pros, still yeah. well i guess it, the main line mm -hmm, doesn't yeah freeze. no it doesn't freeze unless it's leaking maybe. <laughs> i don't know it but it would have been a bigger mess if this would have happened in the winter i, I agree. think true so thankfully it didn't happen in the winter true Woohoo! okay back to business back to business what is the business what else you were gonna tell me tenor is gonna tell me because i asked him earlier <laughs> If he, because to me he's very sexy. <laughs> now he's giggling, and I asked him, "Do you try? <laughs> Are you trying to be sexy?" <laughs> and he's like, do, "Do I look like I'm trying?" <laughs> no, Good. no, that's why I want to know. How does one? How can one be? Can you? Can we do an episode on learning to be sexy one on one? Well, first you gotta trick a girl <laughs> into thinking. The dumb shit you do is sexy. So sexy. <laughs> Just really sleight of hand, really. Trickery. Trickery? <laughs> what? All you got to do is trick one girl. <laughs> and she'll tell everyone. <laughs> and she'll be the advocate. 
So there you go. It's, oh it's man, I I'm a you. fool. <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's, illusion. It's all a ruse. It's a ruse. Okay, fine. All right, I've been tricked. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And and tricked what about your microphone? What were you going to tell me about your microphone? <laughs> Well, no longer, <laughs> no longer amused by you. <laughs> I didn't really have much to say about the <laughs> microphone, other than it was used by my parents when they were in their bluegrass band back in the I don't know two thousands. We'll say that's pretty cool, actually. It is a Shure SM fifty eight, which is you know not a rare model at all. It's very popular, in fact, and in fact. Gabby's microphone is also an SM58 from, I think, last year. I got that one. Is, I was, this, is this one of the ones your mom got you? Yeah, I think my mom got me that. that so mic. it's the same vibe because it comes from your parents. Yeah, <laughs> only a totally different era, probably 20 plus years in between, maybe even more because they had SM58s in the 80s that they probably never got rid of because they're so damn awesome. I mean, it sounds just like we have very like the same microphone it's crazy i mean i know i know it's the same but they're very <laughs> but they're like what 40 years apart or something potentially more? i'm not gonna say it's more likely that this one was bought in like Maybe. 2002 or three or something oh like okay that. so you know 20 years old but it's the flat top one right no it's it's the round top it's the exact same microphone oh, okay we just have windscreen so you can't see the yeah. silver top he's got so many things but I'm getting used. I'm getting, you know, the used flat, to the. But no, you are very close. the The flat top one is SM57. And it's also one of your dad's or mom's. Yeah, I have a lot more of their SM57s because they're more used in instrument contexts. So I have them on my drum kit. Yeah. Mostly. <laughs> so there you go, a little yeah. walk down microphone lane. Yes. I love microphones. I could talk about them. Literally all day long. We're not going to... Well, maybe if we run out of <laughs> books, because as you guys know, we are talking about a book. And Nice segue. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone, that I got him out of the microphone. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, wait, now. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me tell you about this microphone I used when I was a kid. And I'm like bringing the book out. I'm like, <laughs> anyway. all right, anyway. <laughs> Chapter two. It's the loss of a pet. So we've been talking about chapters from this book, and we're going to continue with the chapter entitled Denial and Disbelief. And this is the stage of grief that you have to go through. It's just part of the deal. And uh, we'll be talking about certain topics that may trigger certain listeners. So if you're triggered by anything having to do with the loss of a pet or viewing the body of a pet or receiving messages from beyond from the pet those are the topics that we'll be discussing today yes and just so you know this is chapter five from the book the loss of a pet by wallace sifey s-i-f-e sure <laughs> your guess is as good as <laughs> i hope there. i didn't butcher that and then we do have the fourth edition i'll link this book on the show notes and denial and disbelief is the second stage of grief and it's usually one of the earliest stages. So it can be together with shock or it can be right after it. Or It also is one of the briefest stages. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it kind of would have to be. I think if you get stuck in the denial and disbelief stage too long, then you're just completely disconnected from reality and, you know, all kinds of bad things can happen to your mind that way. Yeah, definitely. And that's why... In this chapter, they definitely discussed messages from beyond and like bargaining with God and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. because that's when denial and disbelief can lead to stuff like that that can, you know, not really help you in any way because yeah. you can never bring him back. So let me just give you a quick definition of both. So starting with disbelief, disbelief is a conscious doubt or unwillingness to accept a fact. And denial is a psychological reaction to something that we unconsciously find too painful or uncomfortable to bear. And the mind completely refuses to accept reality. Pretty intense response. Yeah. And, you know, understandable to a certain extent. Yeah. And for the mind, reality is pretty much switched off. Mm -hmm. 
until whenever I can handle it again. Yeah, it's in such a heightened state that the switch flips and it's like, whoa, I don't know. In your recollection, have you ever experienced denial or disbelief? Well, I think if we go back to our correlation to our the loss of our pet Max, mm-hmm. our beloved Beagle, I think my disbelief came after the fact. It was the times where he should have been there, but he wasn't. Yeah. And I was in disbelief that he wasn't there for a second or however long it lasts. And I don't think it's a stage that is like, okay, it starts and it ends. I think it's it's kind of like the denial has to wane with other aspects of grief. And I guess you just have to get more used to the reality than you are right after the the shock of the loss. I guess it's easy to lean into not believing that it's true because that means, oh, maybe maybe there's a possibility that I see him again. But all of it is, uh, I don't think it's that healthy to have those kinds of thoughts. They also go over how denial is kind of related to fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. What you were saying about if I kind of don't acknowledge it or agree with it and I'm in disbelief of of it, maybe they'll come back. And we tend to want to believe that people or that people or pets that we lose will come back, especially if we don't get to see them yeah, passing. That, that is a a hard human belief to kind of convince yourself otherwise of. Yeah, that maybe it was just a bad dream. Yeah, yeah. That they're not really gone or that it was just a hallucination or something like that. Usually for denial, there's not much of a concern because it's something that comes but goes quickly. So people are usually dazed and stunned and it's easy to deny it, but it goes away quickly. And it becomes a concern when it's prolonged and then people do need professional help. So if you know anyone who's going through this, try to coax them to go to a professional. Well, and it seems like it's uh, societally favorable to deny the truth in a lot of cases these days. So I think that a lot of maybe older folks who pay attention to the the wrong kinds of news Mm -hmm. live in a state of denial just because they're allowed to and uh, I think that that's a slippery slope and when it comes to grief I think that denial in a lot of cases and and disbelief can lead to a much darker place because you're already coming off of a loss I don't know it's important to understand that it shouldn't be prolonged and a lot of times when it does become prolonged and it is like the loss of of a pet it's usually the loss of a pet that's triggering some other extreme situation that has mm. been hidden or in denial. That's a good point. Like the extreme loss that you face that you can't like deny is what makes you kind of wake up, I guess, or yeah. makes people in a way have to need to wake up. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And then we also live in a society where and we touched a little bit about this in the last episode, but where we don't really want to say the words and we use euphemisms like they passed away or they went to heaven and we don't say they died. Yeah. yeah. We don't say the word death. Yeah, that just saying the word died is an acknowledgement that mm-hmm. some people are just not willing to, to make, I guess. And Well, and you also don't know, like, even if you yourself are comfortable, you don't know if the person who lost someone is comfortable hearing that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So I get it that we shouldn't do that, but I mean if people are sensitive, you don't you don't want to throw it in their face or something. It it's tough because it's so finite and factual. It's like calling it not what it is just you know, it seems like a big form of denial. Mhm. But that's just like society, though. <laughs> that's what we call yeah, it. Yeah, well, and, and it, I think it ties into our whole lack of emotional breadth, especially for men. Like I, I don't think men are allowed to show emotions or have emotions. and It uh, has really messed up a whole couple generations of dudes. Yeah. And on top of it, the book also points out that it just points to how the society 
is just unwilling to accept the existence of death. Yeah, yeah. And that's men, men and women. Not to get too far off on a tangent here, but I do think that there is a a correlation between like the superhero movies and genre Uh that got so popular over the last, I don't know, 25 years. And that whole notion of, well, if someone's a superhero, then maybe I can be a superhero and live forever or have these superpowers then and that is a giant form of denial i think just just like the whole seeing yourself in a superhero character on the big screen Mm -hmm. just it, it always seems so silly to me you feel that like you actually feel like there's people that want they can be a like do you see that in men oh yeah like, is there a specific age range? Well, yeah. I is would, it a millennial? I would say it's very millennial <laughs> to identify with superheroes and, you know, kind of make that your identity. And Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. And, you know, I'm not going to bash anybody for their hobbies, but... Wh- which I, one's yours? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> As a millennial, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I honestly don't have one. I think the superhero movies are super played out. They can be cool, but... They've just gone too far to the point where you're expected to have this whole base of knowledge going into your your freaking movie. And, you know, I just don't, I don't want that kind of investment in shitty characters to begin with. There's so many movies to to like, to be able to keep up, we would have to watch like 30 movies, I think. I I don't like. And it's not like the characters are great. It's just that the actors get paid a whole lot and they're acting like they get paid a whole lot. (laughs) You know, that's good so for them. It's more actors playing things than actual characters and stories. And it's just not up my alley, unfortunately, yeah. for, I don't know, me. <laughs> Do you think that superhero complex ties into why it's made it harder for men to want to be able to express their emotions? Yeah, I, I do, because. Like, I've seen Spider-Man cry. <laughs> maybe you have (laughs) but they're not they're encouraged to punch someone over resolve a conflict through nonviolent means that's what men are encouraged to do through those action movies and uh i think that the collective fuse of men has gotten shorter (laughs) and people are more willing to say hey fuck you man and throw a punch yeah and ask questions later than be like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Yeah. And I don't know. I think uh, that that in itself is a denial. It's just a denial of someone else's existence and ability to exist in a world next to you. It's like we're going to be bumping elbows with a lot of people. We've got a population situation here. Mm-hmm. So, like, learn how to do it gracefully and without thinking that you are the center of that universe. I guess we got to tie this back in into what we're talking about. Uh-huh. The whole thing is about denial. It's about denying the truth of the matter and I don't know, maybe holding on to something that's just flat out not possible and therefore like maybe a waste of time. I guess is what it boils down to. I'm not going to tell you that your hobby is a waste of time, but to me, it would be a waste of my personal time if I were to be chained to a a movie theater to watch to watch all 30 movies or whatever however you know how you're pointing out the fuck you attitude and you're like no one's trying to solve by talking but i feel like that you know those i don't want to say the name of any of these influencers but those alpha dog or whatever (laughs) influencers would hear that and all they would say is like oh hey just because you can't win a fight doesn't mean like that's that's the kind of Okay. Like, don't you feel like that's just the attitude, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will always be a collection of alpha males. Alpha dogs. (laughs) Alpha dogs. And, you know, that's fine. They can continue to do whatever they need to do to be alpha males. But I think in order for there to be an alpha male, there has to be a collection of people who are vying for being the alpha male and one of them is and and like for what like like what's because we're not animals we're not and like even animals have been disproven that that was not an actual true theory 
So like why why would like fighting another man as a grown ass man would put you in any position of anything like so, other than getting arrested maybe. So before I say my true feelings on the matter, I, I'll play the devil's advocate and you know, I know a few people who do who engage in actual fighting for as a hobby and oh. kind of like a fitness regime. So there there is that contingent of people and they do it i believe just to continue challenging themselves um and to be in a position where if they're ever in a an actual fight mm-hmm. that they can de-escalate it quickly by knowing how to you know end the fight quickly i think the fights that go the longest occur between the people who know what they're doing the least <laughs> just ends up <laughs> and are just petty and yeah sad. just two dumbass drunk dudes rolling on the ground but uh you know a trained fighter will be able to put someone else who's not a trained fighter on the ground and you know stop them from hurting themselves more or or anyone anyone yeah so that's kind of what i think is going on there and you know the whole alpha male thing that's pure pure ego you can't spell it any other way other than ego because the people who do it professional, like in that controlled environment with people who want to do it back, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I thought that you were feeling that you were encountering that energy just in like work or everyday life. I don't. I I very rarely encounter that kind of aggressive energy here in Utah. Mm-hmm. I think it's much <laughs> more common in the East Coast. Okay, yeah. And there's a lot more people who are willing to just stop what they're doing to fight you (laughs) you know i feel like i experienced that um in new york in maryland Uh, yeah yeah i think it's pretty similar yeah it's uh i think there's again it comes down to ego it's like there's this pride that comes with living in a shitty place (laughs) let's just go out and say it east coast hey i didn't say that (laughs) tanner's an east coaster so i think he can say that i'm not an east coaster so i don't want to say that but i did experience someone that basically wanted to pick a fight with me at a walmart so again i'm not judging the whole uh, maryland by walmart okay i I understand it was walmart (laughs) true that's a very that's a very wise thing you know walmart is its own universe yeah regardless of what state it's in maybe it's if it's like an alabama walmart you're just asking for it yeah and i have been in alabama walmart and you made it out i think it wasn't open yet we were just there setting up nail salons with my dad (laughs) (laughs) well uh, that alabama walmart probably saw some cousin love what if we went to uh, (laughs) okay (laughs) what (laughs) excuse me (laughs) what if we went (laughs) a little bit a little bit because we're supposed to be talking about pet loves (laughs) (laughs) well we'll get there We'll get there. We'll get there. We were talking also about what if we did a tour of all those nail salons in the East Coast? Alex? <laughs> That's my sister. Well, how we'll many do you think are still open? I have no idea. How I many do you think your dad opened with you guys? Maybe seven at the most. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All throughout the southeast, fun. No, I, I actually don't mean that. Sorry, sorry, Alex. I don't mean it. <laughs> no tour. Tour off. Tour is immediately canceled. off. <laughs> Completely canceled. All right. Now that we don't like the East Coast, I've actually only been... We can't just alienate all of these people <laughs> who are kind enough to listen to us. <laughs> they know it sucks. <laughs> okay, I'm getting back to this. All right. We also live in a culture that's obsessed with fairy tales. So, hmm. so do you think the, not to harp on this, do you think the hero modern is, do you think the hero movie is like the modern fairy tale? I think so. Because it, it, it points out that it gives the example that good people were sometimes given a second chance to escape death. And that totally happens in oh, superhero yeah. movies. And especially fairy tales. Mm-hmm. like. Snow White's virtually dead. <laughs> and then a dude kisses her. And then she goes no, and it's... bangs seven dwarves. <laughs> These... <laughs> that what happens? No. <laughs> I feel like you never get your facts straight. <laughs> this must be a different movie. I yeah, <laughs> I feel like, where did you watch it? 
a certain uh, website that's not available here in Utah anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And this is this fairy tale obsession is just kind of like a delightful retention of our childhood. So when our pet dies, it's no surprise that we want him that we want like a second chance to get them back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes denial can is just that defense mechanism to help us cope with that situation. There's also lots of superstition involved in this that can make things worse. Like voodoo? No, like superstition. Like maybe if I go around the block, I'll find them. Or, oh, or like yeah. if I don't go this way. Or like if I come, like I think here's one thing that I think can happen. Is that if your pet doesn't come home and you wait for them at night, they never come home. You might just not want to move from that house ever because you think they might come home. Mm-hmm. Or so that's an extreme version, but I yeah. think that that's sort of the sentiment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a type of indulgence. <laughs> Weirdly, it's just one of the many ways we have to avoid confronting the reality of you know the situation, which is death. Yeah, and then knowing that the child within us is always gonna want a happy ending to a story yeah <laughs> and the only ending to every story is death yes which reminds me of hosier's song I've been all things li- end all things end I mean, we recommend listening to his new- i've been listening to the new album it's so good so here in the book they really do talk about how like these little things are they can really begin to <laughs> make others question your mental stability, right? If they see that you have like this disbelief or this this belief that you can still connect with the pet or that you're reaching out or something. Or receiving messages from beyond the grave. Exactly, exactly. So other people might think, or like, for example, you might put out the food dish hoping <laughs> oh. they might come back. Which, you know, I guess is harmless enough, but the whole act is... I guess could be viewed as a little crazy. But, <laughs> but, but, dot, 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 as a Mexican, this reminds me of Dia de los Muertos, which I think it's a very healthy way to celebrate and connect. And it's kind of like a day of the year where you have that tradition of putting something out for your loved ones who have passed and or died. Which is, yeah, I think it's a, a very tactile way to kind of reinforce that they're gone like you do leave something for them but you you know they're not coming back in a physical form to munch on whatever chocolates you leave or cigarettes you leave yeah it's an essence it's saying this this as this being is now a spirit and i'm leaving this for their spirit to come and enjoy yeah do i interpret that correctly absolutely and 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 they come because in that time of the year the veil between the two worlds is thin enough that they can maybe almost smell it and maybe almost taste it so that whole statement again is an acknowledgement that they've passed yeah so it's it is different i think culturally that i think mexicans and latinos all over latin america and maybe even spain have a much closer relationship with death than us americans i think that it's just closer regardless just yeah you know it's a crazy place and there's a lot of violence and there's that aspect and and people are not they don't make any two bones about it it's just like this is part of life death is part of life yeah we also a lot of us grew up with grandparents and in the house and we see them die and it it doesn't make it any less sad, but it certainly makes it more real. Yeah, like you you learn how to go through it as I guess as a unit, as a family, and you experience it sometimes in childhood or yeah. in early life. More often than here in the U.S. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned last time, I was twenty twenty one basically or twenty two years old, and uh, that was my first experience with losing a close family member. That's crazy. It was 10 years later than me. Yeah. Delayed denial is a thing, and it comes up a little bit later, and it seems to crop up more when people are alone. It's like when you try and push grief 
down, you become frustrated and you have rage inside of you. You become angry. And you also have a sense of helplessness because the presence of the loss of the person you lost, in this case, a pet, is still very strong. All these overwhelming sensations that you're trying so hard not to feel, like if you were able to delay them or anything, then it starts to creep up more and more. Because like these sensations want to be felt and if you don't feel them, then they can start to become irritating, I think. And that's where the anger creeps up. Yeah, I think that they are at their weakest vibration at the beginning. <laughs> and mm -hmm. the longer they're allowed to vibrate and be left unfelt, the harder it is to handle those vibrations. Yeah, because other things are coming at you too, not like the realizations of, oh, this moment without yeah. that pet, this moment without the pet, this moment. In this case too, when this happens, like you have all these things hitting you at once, well, the possibility of having mild hallucinations happens at this time. And that makes sense because you're probably at this point pretty tired. You haven't slept, yeah. most likely. Or you haven't rested well enough because if you're pushing stuff away, well, it, it makes it difficult to rest, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if even if you're not, just the grief of, you know, waking up and experiencing every subsequent day without the pet, you know, that's... Mm -hmm. That's still a heavy burden. Yeah, it's definitely hard. And sometimes in, it didn't happen to me and it hasn't happened in this particular way, but I've read a lot of the, <clears throat> a lot of in the Facebook groups that I belong to where people post about their deceased pets. They talk about how sometimes they feel them like coming to visit them and walking on their bed. Like I haven't particularly felt that, but I have viewed people posting their their hopes of wanting a visit and that can be pretty dangerous too yeah and i'd say that we do indulge in a little bit of fantasy by you know yeah. i think max lives in our hearts and our minds quite a bit so we see max in every situation yeah still. we do and We've mentioned him quite a bit. Yeah, and, and it, our interpretation of that is that he says hi. He's, he's <laughs> sending a message from beyond. And, you know, who's to say that's not true? We can't disprove it. But the obvious logical uh, explanation is that it's just that we love the, the animal and we miss him and want to spend more time with him on this earth. And the fact that we don't get to means that we think about him a lot. Yeah. And I think I believe actually this started when we were in California on our honeymoon when we encountered any animal. Yeah. Especially those whales that we saw. Yeah. We thought they were saying to us, Tell Max we said hi. Remember? And we kept saying that with every animal we saw. And Max was still alive. Yeah. We had not he had not died yet. And so we felt like they were all just sending him like they knew him and they, they were celebrating all of his glory. <laughs> yeah. And so when he passed away, we felt like he just flipped it on us. And every time we'd see some random, especially with geese, right? Like yeah. we'd see some random animal or bird just flying above us. We felt like the animal or the bird is yelling at us. Maxie says hi. And that's something we say all the time. Yeah. And, it is, like I said, an indulgence, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. you know, I think it makes us feel good and it's a good way to remember the pet without being too crazy about it. Yeah. You know, we're not making giant shrines, <laughs> well, maybe small shrines. I have a little <laughs> one, a little table. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we're not carving <laughs> this tree up out front in the likeness of With nature. ears. <laughs> Yeah. We should. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, you're you're right. I mean, there has to be a limit, but we do have... <laughs> I mean, every room has a picture of him. Yeah, rightly so. At this stage is also where, like, if you're having hallucinations, it's easy to start to bargain with God and saying, mm -hmm. hey, if I stop doing this, please, would you bring him back? And as we all know, it seems like Almost everyone who has, you know, lost a pet has at one point bargained or just lost anyone. Yeah. 
can can we just go back? Can it be me? Can whatever, whatever it is that you think you can do to change or, you know, and as we know, it doesn't ever work. Yeah. Do you remember the, you do because I talk to you about it all the time, the movie Practical Magic. Yes. That always, like when I was reading this, it came to mind where she loses her husband and she goes to the aunt and is like, bring him back. I want him back. Oh, it makes me cry so much. And that's, but that's, such a good point like you can't bring the person back and even if you could it wouldn't be the same it won't be the same yeah i do you remember bargaining because i remember thinking like no like like max pack (laughs) at one point i was like i did i think i did hit that i remember being sad enough to do it but i just have never never felt the the need to to bargain i just didn't didn't see a positive outcome (laughs) In that. <laughs> he, you thought Sami Max wouldn't be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Sometimes even, sometimes people even change their entire life um, in hopes to bargain with God that they bring the animal person back, picking up a religion or something like that that completely changes your lifestyle in the hopes of picking up or bringing someone back. is It's not the right reason, I don't think. Just going to pick up christianity see just pick it right up see if jesus can help <laughs> just a quick quick dip in the pool <laughs> quick pick me up <laughs> i don't advise that and here's the thing we were talking about how extreme depression is almost like the response of death to become into extreme depression it's usually always caused by underlying problems that were before the death traumas and mm-hmm. unresolved issues unresolved issues yeah and they now need to be addressed and someone that's struggling this badly where they're extremely depressed they do need to go see they they need therapy they need therapy i hate to like at the end of every part it's like you know what you need a therapist (laughs) it's like not only at one point the therapist won't be able to help everyone like there's just not enough like some of these people just need to be in a conversation. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what therapists are to a lot of people, are paid conversationalists just to basically challenge <laughs> your thought process. And I think that's good to have someone challenge your thought process, but I don't know if it's always good to pay someone to do that. Yeah. It seems like there could be potential conflicts of interest and in- well, especially if you can like switch him because you don't like because they triggered you or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and I personally have had mixed results with therapists and mostly Wait, negative. I don't think we've ever talked about you going to therapy. Have you gone to therapy? Yeah, I've I've done some. I didn't know that. therapy sessions back in the first marriage, and uh, uh, I just want to point out I'm number three. Like, <laughs> so anyone who's confused, one, two, three. Uh-huh. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Um, back in the first marriage, yeah, I did a lot of grief counseling and some other therapy sessions that were not insisted upon, but you know, part of, but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. trying to <laughs> trying to be a better person, you know, it's like let's try this. Uh-huh. And I never felt like the person. I don't know. I, I the therapist. Prob- yeah, I probably had a really bad attitude about it, and it just didn't work. And I guess if you have a good attitude about it, maybe it, it will work. And if you do it, you should choose. You should choose to do it through good reasoning and have a good attitude about it. That I guess that's the best I can say about it. Because otherwise, I think you can just pay someone to blow smoke up your ass if you want. <laughs> if that's really what you want, mm-hmm. which is a, what a lot of people want, you can you can get that. If you want someone to make a real connection with you. I don't know if paying them is really the best way to start that engagement. Was this more of a personal therapy or a couples therapy situation? A little of both. Okay. But I'd say mostly personal, just like, you know, I got issues. I was a dumb person. <laughs> well, and, you, you were struggling quite a bit. Like your grandma had just passed, right? And Yeah, and my father was yeah also in the middle of his ALS struggle. So did you feel like it helped you or... It just kind of triggered you or what? Or It's hard. I mean, yeah, I, I don't attribute a lot of personal growth being unlocked by a therapist. And, uh, you know, I don't have a huge wealth of experience, like years and years and years, but 
I went to maybe four or five of them. And Oh, wow. That's a lot. And it was like, okay, each one of these people, they all had different specialties, like grief and couples and this and that. But they were always, I don't know, at the end of the day, they were our problems or my problems. And I couldn't rely on a, a stranger to really, really solve those problems, I guess. And pro- maybe I wasn't as truthful as a result. I don't know. It's hard to say, but. Usually therapy helps you focus on like one issue at a time, right? I don't know. I, 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 I'll I tell you my therapy journey too, because I think people should be able to hear about therapy too. And mm-hmm. I guess my question is, I don't really understand what exactly besides obviously, you know, those, but what was the exact focus of the therapies? Like, what were you trying to get past? I guess. Did you not know back then? I guess I didn't know back then. I, I think it was purely just ego working through what actions of mine were controlled by ego. And I guess to a certain extent, I was kind of pointed in the right direction. But overall, it took a lot of personal reflection and meditation and understanding what I wanted and w- you know, how my actions aligned with that. I think that was more important than relying on a professional conversationalist to try to poke and prod at the right places. Like they don't know. Yeah. And if you don't know, then what the hell are you doing there? Yeah. I feel like as a person, we should have a goal. And it's kind of when you, you're like, okay, I'm going to try it there. This is my last resort you don't sometimes have a clear goal a goal of what you are looking for, right? Yeah, yeah. So if a therapist doesn't help you find that, then I don't know that if you're in this horrible condition, it would help you. It needs to be like someone who is really, really specialized in this. Yeah, and yeah. I would just recommend that if you are in an extreme, like an extreme depression, you go find someone in person at least. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say... The best experiences I've had with are with grief counselors. And I oh, really? I think that the people who deal with grief specifically come at it from a different angle. And, and I think that that's probably the most, uh, I don't know, hand-holding way to address someone's core fundamental problems is to find out what their grief is. What are they yeah. grieving? And what are they not grieving? Or what haven't they grieved? And... That is a quick way to access a lot of emotions Mm -hmm. for people and unlock a lot of doors. You know, I don't think it's going to be a slam dunk for everybody, but if you are in a position of grief, then therapy is one thing. Grief counseling is another, and I think that's probably a better place to start. Grief counseling. Yeah, and then... That's a good point. The grief counselor can maybe help you understand some things that you can take to a therapist and yeah work on from there but but that helps you establish a goal for yourself yeah yeah that's good i've never been to a grief counselor personally but i even this book points out that most people have un- unresolved grief it doesn't oh, yeah. matter what the grief is like it doesn't have to be the loss the actual death of a person or, yeah. or an animal yeah it can be a relationship or it can be moving to a different house from your childhood and you yeah, just don't... Yeah. Like, I can tell you that my grandma grieved her house mm-hmm. when yeah. it was sold. And that was a huge loss for her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got to give the right amount of attention to the grief that comes from losing people, things, pets, etc. A feeling, place, too, mm-hmm. or a location. There were important things in your life and they're supposed to, they should be acknowledged. So with the messages from beyond, you don't really know, right? Because no, there's no, no existence. For sure. No one's for sure on whether it has been proven or disproven. Yeah, it's one of those unknowable mysteries that will only be unlocked to us when we pass across. Exactly. So in this in this stage, there's a lot of people that are so vulnerable that they reach out to mediums and psychics and oh, stuff like that. Yeah, and th- that's when you know you you try to connect and get messages from beyond, not just like messages when you're asleep or something like that, 
mean, you're actually paying someone. And well, that's where, you know, you can get scammed. Definitely. Well, and I don't, I don't want to talk too much smack because I think my family, <laughs> there's a few people Eek. in my family that subscribe to mediums and oh, okay. consult with them frequently. And, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I definitely have a much more skeptical attitude towards most, if not all of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm not going going to <laughs> subscribe to them or myself. But I grew up with my mom. <laughs> my mom claims she can see all kinds of ghosts and spirits, and I just don't like people that can claim stuff like that <laughs> because it's one thing if you're intuitive. Just, like, don't go around scaring people. <laughs> that's always been my thing. If you're intuitive, that's great, good for you. But not everyone wants to hear it. Yeah. And maybe everyone does that to everyone at one point or another, but ghost stuff really scares me. <laughs> and so back in the 20th century, the age of spiritualism, that's what it was called back in the day. I don't know exactly what <laughs> what year mm-hmm. it was, but I'm thinking it is the 20s or 30s i don't know mediums convinced people they could contact people from beyond and that entire craze happened because of gypsies because gypsies used to be specialized well they used to be they it was okay to call them that back then but now it's not okay so romani culture yeah this is like the age of the seance and yes the ouija board and Mm -hmm. stuff like that okay it came from the caravans mm-hmm. and of people who were literally in like they were they would read palms basically everything they were reading crystals palms tarot cards tea leaves coffee just anything under the sun they could read it for you give you your fortune mm-hmm. but then at the end of the day they were all basically they were all exposed to be kind of frauds i don't know if particularly the caravans were but mainly the people who claimed to be mediums at one point or another they were exposed as frauds. Canceled back in the twenties, baby. Well, anytime you say that you're gonna talk to the dead and provide messages from the grave, it's like, yeah, that sounds like a good business until yeah. you realize it's a hundred percent fake and no one can actually do it. Not John Edwards, not I don't know, Crypt Keeper or whomever. Nobody can do it. And not the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> I think a lot of people are very good at the cold read, which is... Oh my gosh, that's mentioned here. Oh yeah? No, but you, you say it. So the cold read is exactly what John Edwards does. And if you don't know who John Edwards was, he had a TV show for a while. I think it was called Crossing Over, actually. Yeah. And he was just a giant asshole, but he would just have a crowd of people around him and he would say, I'm getting a feeling of a m- 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 Michael, and someone would shout out, my and depending on the age of the person on the tone of their response he would basically make a few educated guesses and he would be right 99 percent of the time okay okay you be mike what you what's his name uh john edwards you be john edwards i'll be the lady who michael okay i'm getting a a a message from a a a micah micah my micah yes 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 you're mike micah yes i'm just gonna do that one because it's always like not the right It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so Micah is is telling me that that it's it's okay. It's everything is okay. Is there oh, was it's, there a problem or? Yeah, when he left, uh, I forgot to give him his food. Well, he's that's exactly what he says. Oh, he says <laughs> you didn't give him his food, but he forgives you. It's okay that it he's he's doing well. Oh, and, I feel so guilty. Oh well, he also says something about the money. That the money, there's something about the money, and oh, in my pocket, <laughs> and they'll break my character now. They always, they always go for the money because it's <laughs> such an easy thing for a family to fight over when it comes to a death. There's either like a father who dies and an inheritance that they kind of he wrenches out of them, and and these people are always way too quick to just volunteer. Oh yes, that's that's it, that's it, and yeah. You know, they want to believe that it's a message from Michael and or Micah. It was Micah. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, it's easy to exploit those people. But that's the cold read. What does it say in the book? To discover 
and manipulate what we want and need to hear. So it's basically saying just beware of the cold read. Yeah. And I just yeah, because gave you a long explanation of what it is. And nowadays with TikTok, I've seen, you know, like the TikTok um, psychics or mediums oh that God. involve themselves in like missing persons <laughs> or like like what happened with Gabby Petito. Mm-hmm. And they were involving oh, yeah. themselves in those kind of cases of missing mm-hmm. person or murder and stuff like that. I mean, it, even just if it's for clout or for money, it's just not appropriate, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's never true, so it's never appropriate. And the next topic is the one of the hardest ones. I know we've been a little lighthearted on this one, but uh, we will be from now on talking about viewing the body. So if you have not been triggered and this might trigger you, just take care and um, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, This is a tough one because I think it's such a case-by-case basis that I can't make a call. I can't say... I believe firmly that it should be this or that. Yeah, no. It's and like cancer like or any illness with a dog, right? Like you can't tell people how to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's no right and there's, well, there's a thousand right ways and a thousand wrong ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you'll choose one of them. I mean, with regards to a pet, it's not like there's a, a funeral or a wake or anything where people come and view the body. So it's seeing the pet in their last second I think is is what the core of this section is is are you going to be there for when they inject the the serum or whatever it is or or not and well many times you just don't even get the chance like the pet yeah. just dies in a lot of cases yeah the pet will will die when it's in the vet's care and you don't get the chance to be there and you know I'll speak from our one looming instance which was Max and, you know, we were there for the last seconds of, last minutes of his life, I would say. We spent the last half hour with him after he came back from the vet, after they did pretty much everything they could and kind of said that that's about it, all we can do. And, uh, you know, he probably would have stayed alive another hour or two or three or four, but we knew that the time was up and... and there was no chance that we were going to be anywhere else mm-hmm. while it happened. So, you know, we were there for his last breath and it was very, very difficult and very sad. But, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for anything. No, it's it's sort of like you would just go through it again on that one. Yeah, I don't. There's I don't no see other. Another, another yeah. option. I sort of felt like an honor to be able to be present to say goodbye to him. Yeah. And I just. I just wanted him to hear my hear us comfort him until he couldn't hear us anymore. And that's really well that was important for us. Yeah. I've I've, I've had a lot of, of dogs growing up, probably I don't know, ten different dogs. And for every single one either they were run over or shot by strangers or put down by my father or or mother or both Mm -hmm. and i was not in on the last seconds of any of those dogs lives and they you know they were family dogs so they were my dogs but they were not like max where yeah he was our responsibility and we had to see it through we had to be the adults and be the ones who have to do the hard the hard part. Yeah, like my dad did for all those other yeah, dogs. Yeah, he completely spared you from... Or mom. Yeah, we we didn't... Like, I'm sorry, now we... You, you guys didn't have to even think about that. It's like, okay, well, he's gone, but I wonder even what you thought. Yeah, I mean, we we knew, both Travis and I, we, we knew mm-hmm. when it was time and what that meant, but... It's different being there. Yeah. That's the first bed that I've been there for. Not too long ago, we also lost, you know, my... They weren't childhood, but they were the family cats. Those were hard to lose. They were even harder for both my mom and sister because they were there yeah. present. And it was a re- it's a recent one. It's still pretty heavy. Picasso was alive for 18 years. Yeah, like all it's of the 2000s. All of them. Much. He's like 
He was a 2000s. He was a freaking Gen Zer, right? Or I don't know. He he was just he was epic, and so was Maxi. His loss has been really hard for both of us. Before we lost, we actually lost him, and actually had to take the decision to do the injection in August, like maybe a month ahead. We thought we were, that was it, right? I yeah. think it was my birthday or around my birthday, so the beginning of August. And at that point, I feel like I almost thought that he was going to die without us seeing him. And to me, that was so difficult. Like, I really thought I wasn't going to get to say goodbye to him and see his last breath through. And I think that that would have been even harder for me. Yeah. Like, with with these guys, <laughs> because I, I can honestly tell you, that if I wouldn't have seen Maxie's last breath, I might still be in disbelief. Yeah. That is definitely one way to make it finite. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the whole notion of seeing the body in general, it's closure for people. It's like... Yeah. For those who did not get to see them in their last moments. You know, like your father... He passed away. We still are we like, still, did he really? Is he? Did, did he just, just escape like, to Guatemala or somewhere? It's so him, too. Like, he's just such a character, too. Which Maxie was very a, much a character. Yeah. And I don't know. It seems like less of an indulgence to think about your dad in that scenario. It's like, oh, that's how he lived. He lived kind of... <laughs> catching the breeze and riding the waves and he uh no one saw him in his last moments no my dad was always a legend to us because it, it's like that's all we had in his legendary story yeah. it's like we didn't who he was and represented it was a legend and not a legend as like oh you're a legend man no like an actual <laughs> thing you cannot grasp yeah, sometimes uh, a it's, legend of a human. <laughs> sometimes it's good, but not always. Not always. I mean, it's epic and it's cool that he was such a like I don't give a fuck kind of person, but it's also kind of it had its consequences. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't believe that. <laughs> I think your dad probably passed when they say he did. Yeah, and it's probably best just to accept it and and accept that as your new reality. I truly accept it. That yeah, is something yeah. I, I truly do accept. There, there, Like at the beginning, there were times, and especially because he didn't die right away, obviously. So it was hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. Having the visual confrontation of the body helps people. And in many cases, when people, when pets die with the vet, in the past, they didn't really, they would just take care of it, basically. Mm -hmm. And they would just tell the people you know, the pet owners, but as people change and the relationships with your pet change, pets have had to change and take training on how to deal with grieving people. Like it's changed their industry and it's just, it's an industry that's growing because yeah. to us, our pets are our family. Mm -hmm. And in the past, pe pets were just not treated the same way. Yeah. But one of the things they mentioned here is that now they, even if the pet passes away with the vet, they still allow people some time with the body just so they can get that visual yeah, confrontation. Yeah, sort of like, you know, happens with people. And I I would never begrudge anybody wanting that last that last confrontation or visual confirmation or whatever. You know? Yeah. Understandable, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's so unbelievable that, you know, people need what they need. Mm-hmm. They also talk about how if you have any other animals that can be around so they can sniff the body and actually understand that the other pet has passed, that helps the other animals not grieve. I think with us, our animals knew. Yeah, yeah. They could smell Max <laughs> before he before he even left the house. I think they the writing was on the wall with that. They situation. were aware. I think they could smell it on us as well. Yeah. We were with him for a little bit, so... Which is, it brings me to another thing that comes to, here we are both saying how we wouldn't have done it any other way. And this doesn't shame the people who cannot be there present for the 
who just cannot yeah. bring themselves yeah. to be there present, basically. That's, that's fine. I mean, yeah. Bear what you can bear. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people deal with guilt after that, and that's absolutely understandable as well. Yeah. Those are just facts of life, and sometimes, just like we just talked about it over here about denial. I mean, you can be in shock and right away in denial when having to put the pet down and yeah, yeah, not being able to be there. Yeah. It's good to keep in mind that we, when we are actually faced with death, even though we might be terrified to face it, when we are actually faced with it, we learn that we know much more than what we think we do. Yeah, that's a very powerful statement. I don't think anyone ever gets good at grieving. Mm-mm, it's not. But, <laughs> but you get better at it. It's, yeah. It's not like you don't improve, but it's never going to be, it's never going to feel good. No. No, and that's the thing. I think even, even if you are a grief counselor and you have gone through loss like oh i think his name is paul dennison i think he's one of the grief counselors that i follow on social media i'll link his website on the show notes and he started this because he lost his mom at a very young age and he became a grief counselor you know at when he was older and then like just a few years ago he lost his child and for him he just didn't think he could keep going Mm -hmm. like from him losing and already experiencing grief, you think you're really good at it. Yeah. But then other circumstances just teach you, like, you know, life is like this. Yeah. It is, uh, it's nothing if not morbid, I guess. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. And when it happens to a, a younger person, that's always super tragic. And Absolutely. You just wonder how people can go through day to day after such a loss but i mean you can i've seen it happen mm-hmm. and uh you know i think the only way past it is through it you gotta feel it mm-hmm. responding to someone in denial which is our last little bit that we're gonna go over if it just becomes pathological it's recommended that they seek professional help but if you're a good friend or like a family member and you feel comfortable talking to those people then maybe you can offer a good listening ear generally it's best to allow people to figure out their own timing on when they are done with their own denial just to avoid any triggers uh risky situation you can't force anybody through their own (laughs) grief that's that's not a thing. Yeah, but you can listen to someone. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about the only thing you can do is listen and just be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, grief is going to happen at one point to all of us. So observing and just trying to be better people through it is always going to be a good thing. And remembering that defense mechanisms are created by the human mind when it needs to hide from some very painful realities. And all of this information is from the book. (laughs) (laughs) The stuff that I've been reading to you guys and telling you, it's from the book, The Loss of a Pet. We were going over denial and disbelief. I just wanted to finish up with this little quote from the song that I mentioned, The All Things End. I really think it's fitting here. If there was anyone to ever get through this life with their heart still intact, they didn't do it right. Yeah, that's that's a really <laughs> true statement. I recommend listening to the song if you're grieving; it'll make you cry. But it's a good, it's a good cry that, like, I don't know, it kind of helps you heal. I think. Yeah, it's a good cry. <laughs> Such a girl thing to say. <laughs> Grief is hard. It's there's no easy way to do it and like we just said a second ago no one can tell you how to grieve your grief Mm -hmm. that's just how it is and i think that it's nearly impossible to get through it on your own and i don't know how people isolate themselves or people who do isolate themselves how they actually grieve and maybe i mean everyone does it differently but 
for me personally, having, I don't know, humanity to cushion the blow is is important. It's a, it's a way to share the load, I guess. And having you there with Max was, I don't know, the buoy for me, you know. Yeah. A lifesaver that picked me up off the floor after it was all done. And, you know, we saw people we did. that exact same day who had similar situations where they were saying goodbye to their pet as well. And it was just one single person. And it's like they brought their pet in. They walk out destroyed. Waited for hours all alone mm-hmm. while they did their best and then walked out destroyed. So. Empty handed. I'm grateful that that wasn't me and that it wasn't you. And hopefully other people can understand that uh, we all grieve and if somebody is going through the loss of a pet or the loss of a person or the loss of a relationship or, you know, and you don't have to be alone either. If you want to be alone, that's that's one thing, but you don't have to. So, <laughs> <laughs> this episode has gone on far too long and uh, <laughs> we'll have to cap it at that, but we'll continue with this series. What's the, uh, the next chapter or the next section? Our next section or the next stage is anger, alienation, and distancing, which is Ooh, what we just talked about. Fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we'll get more into that based yeah. on what's in the book. So if you have any contributions that you'd like to make, please feel free to leave a comment. We'd love to hear about your pet or loss situation or how you've dealt with loss. And if you have any questions or you just want to talk about it, let us know. We're pretty easy to talk about our pets so yeah you can even leave us if you just want to comment if you recently lost a pet and you want a a shout out and you want us to talk about your pet real quick here on the podcast we would be so happy to do that yeah so let let us know what you have to say and uh, hopefully we can all move past our collective losses together So thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next one. Bye.